everybody, and welcome to the Poetry Space. This is episode 42. We're going to be looking at thankfulness through the lens of an open mic. I'm very excited to get to look at poems today in, you know, partially in conjunction with thinking about Thanksgiving. This is the time of year. It should be all all the year, just like Poetry Month should be Poetry Year. But this is the time of year we tend to do that. So I'm excited to look at it more today. So Timothy Green, my co-host, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Katie Dozier. How are you? <laughs> I think it's so funny when you call me my whole name. I should say also that Lizzie still insists on calling you Tim Green exclusively. <laughs> she does. Well I think now. she thinks that's like, <laughs> that's my first name. <laughs> All one word, Tim Green. <laughs> Tim Green. <laughs> Maybe it is. Maybe we're the ones who are wrong, you know? <laughs> Maybe. I could have been wrong my whole life. Your whole life. <laughs> well, I'm really excited to get more into this. I mean, I know for me personally, one of my favorite episodes that we did was on gratitude. So this is kind of, uh, I think it's fair to say, sort of an extension and a different look at it uh, as well. Is that how you're viewing it too? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, poems about thankfulness. And it's just, uh, you know, so many poems are dark and, you know, our our view of the world is dark, mostly because of negativity bias and the news and the way that we feel about it. But uh, it's, it's nice to think the other side and think about how the world is a good place because it really is too. It's both. It can't be one without the other. Definitely. And I should say that's, you know, where my interest in poetry largely stems from is, you know, trying to approach it with life with thankfulness that leads to gratitude that I think makes for better poems as a little bit of a bonus too. It's kind of a a circular thing, which I love being in the middle of. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, uh, you know, one of the things, one of the main things that a poet does is notice, you know, and noticing things when they're they're positive is something that's worth doing too. And in a lot of ways, I think it makes your, you know, poetry is a spiritual practice, and having a prayer sent out to the world, which is what a poem is about something to be grateful or thankful for, is um, is really a, a way to make yourself and your own life better. And so I think it's important that we do it. Definitely, and I think when we were both thinking about the subject of thankfulness and you know wanting to start out with a poem. Uh, the first poet I think that came the, to mind was actually the same for both of us, which is Mary Oliver. Yeah, I'd say her whole career is sort of a career of thankfulness. And I think that's really her main topic is is noticing and being thankful for the world around her and her life that she gets to live walking through it. And uh, and so I think we'd start out with an opening poem by Mary Oliver. I think it's the perfect way to go. And this is the perfect poem to set the space up. This is uh, my working. My work is loving the world. My work is loving the world. Here the sunflowers, there the hummingbird, equal seekers of sweetness. Here the quickening yeast, there the blue plums. Here the clam deep in the speckled sand. Are my boots old? Is my coat torn? Am I no longer young and still not half perfect? Let me keep my mind on what matters, which is my work, which is mostly standing still and learning to be astonished. The Phoebe, the Delphinium, the sheep in the pasture, and the pasture, which is almost rejoicing since all ingredients are here, which is gratitude to be given a mind and a heart and these body clothes, a mouth with which to give shouts of joy to the moth and the wren, to the sleepy dug up clam, telling them all over and over how it is that we live forever. That's a beautiful, I love that. Um, which, you know, my work is mostly standing still and learning to be astonished. I think that's the work of a poet right there. Hey, I was going to quote that exact line. I guess I can't now. That would be kind of awkward if we both 
compared it back to the same line. But I, I think it's probably true that there's no poem I agree with as much as the one you just read. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is. And if we're not doing that, then what are we even doing with our lives? What's the point of being here, if not to be astonished by the fact that we're here? Yeah, that is very true. And, you know, something that I love the most about poetry is taking that astonishment, writing about it. And then again, that circles to your whole life. You know, you notice things that you wouldn't otherwise notice to be appreciative of when you take on that appreciative mindset that poetry is so conducive to. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. Uh, do you want to read the, the Amy Schmidt poem in memory of Mary Oliver that um, it's a really short one from Poets Respond um, when Mary Oliver died in uh, 2019 and uh, Abundance, it's called. Do you want to read that? Yeah, I'd love to. So yeah, from 2019, so Abundance in memory of Mary Oliver. It's impossible to be lonely when you're zesting in orange. Scrape the soft rind once and the whole room fills with fruit. Look around, you have more than enough, always have. You just didn't notice until now. A great short poem there by Amy Schmidt. Yeah, really, that you just didn't notice until now is, um, is just so true. There's so many things that, that we just don't notice that are so worthy of our attention even for a moment. Yeah, that's definitely true. I think, too, we have a choice now, Tim. We could talk a little bit. I know we wanted to talk about how haiku directly references this, or we get to the open mic and then hope that we manage to also talk about a haiku later. So I'll let you choose which one you would like to do. Hey, you're the host. I'm just a co-pilot. What do you want to do? Well, I don't know. Joe Barca has to leave a little bit early, he told me, and he's over there with a pretty good poem. So maybe we should go ahead and do that. But we have to get to, Tim, we have to get to haiku or else we'll be sad after this space. So I would be thankful if later you'll remind us to get to that. Sounds good. Will do. In the meantime, Joe, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. And I I was trying to think just off the cuff about what I'm thankful for. Um, and, and, And I have to talk about poetry because I feel like poetry has brought Uh, layers of wonder into my life over the last 10 years. And what I mean by layers is words and magic and people and and feeling abundantly full and completely empty. So I'm I'm very thankful for poetry today. So anyway. Wait, I have to say abundantly full and completely empty is amazing. (laughs) It sounds like a movie title, the title of an abstract piece of art, a poem all in one. Well, it may be the title of our book that we'll write together someday. Okay, Katie? That sounds like a good plan. We've already knocked that out. So I'm thankful for that. That's right. All right. So I'm going to read a poem that I wrote that will be published in Whale Road Review. And bear with me because it may start off a little dark, but but we'll be thankful by the end. Okay. Great. Let's hear it. Sure. 100,000 dead. Heavy rain consumes New England. Earthworms surface on my driveway. No oxygen in their tunnels. It's 1908 in Sicily. Tectonic plates shift. The earth quakes. Grandma Gracia is stranded in her second floor apartment. As a boy, I hated the rain because it pushed the worms out of their homes and into traffic's path. She held her two young children in a Jenga tower, opened the window, and tossed a mattress out. My mother and I would find sticks and lift the worms and place them on the lawn. Gracia grabbed the infants, her rosary beads, and jumped into shouts of rubble. We named the dead worms, one after my cousin who drowned in a river accident. The Red Cross shepherded them to steerage in a ship bound for America. The rain recedes. 
survivors, survivors burrow back into the soil in my front yard. The earth throbs, pulses. So what I'm thankful for is that my grandmother survived and made it to the United States of America, and I'm here and very grateful for that. And I'm thankful for all the worms that survived the torrential rain. That's it, Katie and Tim. Well, I love that interpretation, too, because also, I mean, there are two ways to be thankful, right? There's the traditional way of being thankful for something that has happened. But then there's also the negative visualization of being thankful for something that didn't happen and how things could have could have gone so wrong, you know, but didn't. And then also there's, you know, there's generational thankfulness, like you're talking about here, Joe, with being grateful for I mean, the crazy number of coincidences and moments and acts that led us to being, you know, right here, right now. Absolutely. And just as a side note, you might know or remember this, Katie, is Gracia's husband, who came to America before she was able to, was a cut hair for a living. And on the side, he wrote poetry. So that's pretty cool. Oh, that is. That's really interesting. And I think, Joe, too, you do a great job of just being thankful in general, and it shows through in your positive attitude for life, too, which um, in turn makes people feel more thankful all around you. So you're spreading that every day. Thank you, Katie. And thanks for this kumbaya moment. I love it. <laughs> that's great. All right, let's see. So we have some people that sent me poems. So like I said, I'm going to be giving priority to people who sent me poems that they wanted to wanted to read. But they're not really expecting my accepting my speaker invite. So if you would like to, if you sent me first a poem that you wanted to read during this open mic, and uh, I'm not going to name names because I don't want you to feel personally called out, uh, <laughs> then you can accept the speaker invite and you'll be pulled up on stage to uh, share that poem right away. But if not, um, let's see. So. Carla did not send a poem, but Carla Schwartz, you have a lot of poems and great poems and also poems that frequently, I think it's fair to say, tie into thankfulness, having gotten to listen to you read frequently on the Rattlecast. So how are you doing today, Carla? Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. Are you on top okay. of a hill like the last time we spoke at the beach? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I just got out of Walden Pond, which is about, I'd say, 53 degrees and I swam for 40 minutes. So wow. I'm <laughs> so I'm good, and I am thankful for that. Um, I'm very thankful for being able to swim, I have to tell you that. And, and um, you know, I was looking at poems that I've written, and I was trying to find one that might fit in the thankful. And I want to say, first of all, I'm also very thankful for this community that you and Tim are creating, both through the poetry space and rattle and everything. It's just wonderful. Um, and, um, but I, I have this poem, so I just sort of, you know, it's out of the blue really here. Um, and uh, um, so I'll read it. It's uh, an ode to lake life. It's called Lake Life Summer. To leave for the lake, oh, summer on the lake, which boat to take? Kayak, your self-propelled boat for one, your pedal kayak, your luggage strapped on. I can review that actually. Um, which boat to take? Kayak, your self-propelled boat for one, your pedal kayak, your luggage strapped on. To arrive at the lake, at the marina, armies of boaters recognizable by their boats. 
to arrive at the lake worn, weary, to load your kayak in the waning light, to pedal out the flats, feather the ripples, conquer the waves, spar the wind, to be on the lake, arrive at your cove, an eagle circles treetops for prey, a loon pair dances diving only to resurface at a distance, to tie your kayak to the dock when you arrive, to unload, to ready for dinner out on the lake, unleash the big boat, the solar electric, the solar electric motor, the big monster up lake, drop the anchor gently, let it catch to wash the sticky dry from your skin, jump in and swim. So I didn't read that that well, but I, 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 so I'm just revisiting this poem after a long time, but um, I, it's really about the life that I lead on on a lake and how appreciative I am of being able to push the water around in whatever way I can. Uh, that's really beautifully put. I love that. And I have to say too, I think you not only read it great, but read it particularly great considering you just swam for 40 minutes because if I was reading after swimming for 40 minutes, I'd probably be gasping for air. So you know, it's impressive on many levels, Carla. Oh, thank you. Thank you, everybody. I look forward to hearing everybody else's. And thanks for your kind words about the community and everything. That's great to hear. I've got to get you into the prompt lines group on Facebook for anyone who hasn't joined oh, also. I'm there, but I, I don't go to Facebook as often as I should, but I'm, I'm in it. So I well, will. Yeah. Post. Great. Well, we look forward to seeing you there. Too. I just want as much Carla Schwartz as I can get. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Katie. You're welcome. Likewise. Oh, I- Thank you so much, Carlette. So I also see that now two people who sent in poems previously have been joined us on the speaker stage. So let's see. I'm not sure which one joined first, but I think I'm just going to go with the order that I see, which is Tom Barlow, who is another big member of the Rattle community who's not spoken yet in the poetry space. So I'm particularly happy that he's decided to speak today. So how are you doing today, Tom? I'm doing pretty well, if you can hear me. I can hear you great. Yay, good okay, job. Great. You're doing it. You're doing it. I still remember the first time I spoke in a space and I was like, oh my God, like it felt like, I don't know, being on stage in high school or something for me, but but we can hear you great. <laughs> I know the multitudes are listening, I can tell. <laughs> you can tell. Watch out. Elon Musk, I'm sure, is in the audience right now as we speak. So you shared a poem. I think a lot of, you know, since I've been fortunate to read a lot of your poetry you know, that you've shared on the open lines. And a lot of it too, I feel like has a tie in with thankfulness and a way of looking at the world um, that fits well with today's space. And you picked a poem you'd like to share with us today, right? Yeah, I rewrote it just a little bit because it's, I'm I'm not happy with having chosen second person, but I'm going to read it anyway. It's called called The Silence of the Sunshine. See your grandfather, Jim, a cloud of a man wet to a thunderstorm. Remember the raspberry bushes that grow near your house on abandoned industrial dirt. How he holds your hand as you cross the street. How carefully he maneuvers among the thorns to pick the ripe berries. How he tries to keep you from wandering into the thicket. And when you do, how he spits on his handkerchief, wipes the blood from your scratches, and carries you worn in one, out in one arm with a berry basket in the other to your grandma, who sucks the pleasure out of the berries, declaring them work. Remember as you watched Jim retreat to the front stoop to fire up a camel 
and cross his lean legs in the steel-tinged air of a summer day in a town that doesn't see the rust coming. How he stands guard, but says nothing while you play on the walk with the Tonka toy he bought you for your birthday. And you will hoard this moment because you are witnessed and nothing need be said in the silence of the sunshine. Yeah, beautiful poem, Tom. Thanks so much for sharing that. Well, thank you. Um, let's go next. I think Bishwajit Mishra is here. Uh, thank you for giving me a chance. And uh, <clears throat> and uh, if I can take one more minute to say that uh, this is the last poet we had on Monday on Rattlecast, Pratos uh, Sereno. I think she talked about two things. And it just touched my heart because that's what I believe in, that sense of wondering, the wonderment and gratefulness. I, I consider them like yang and ying uh, of life. I mean, to be able to be surprised and wonder at even smallest things and be grateful for the smallest uh, favor or any, any help. So uh, gratefulness is very close to my heart. <laughs> Uh, so, I have this poem. Uh, uh, Katie, are you able to share it, or do you want me to? Uh, paste yes, it? you asked me not to share it before the space. Yes. So, yes. Okay. I <laughs> I will do it right now. And as I'm doing it, I just um, let me see. I just have to go into my DMs and do it from there. But I wanted okay. to say that your love of gratefulness and being thankful shines through so much. Every time you come on, you know, now what is now known as the prop lines after the Rattlecast and you have that amazing smile on your face, your sense of wonder is something we all should aspire to. I think it's, it's really amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You made my month, not the day. (laughs) (laughs) That's really sweet. Okay. I'm sharing your poem now from my DMs and then I'll be able to pin it to the top and then everybody can look around. So wait, so why don't you two talk a little bit about, so your friend, Billy Melville, how long have you guys known each other? Cause this poem is going to be. Uh, maybe uh, 2017 when he bought this company app and I used to work here. So, and then we had a professional relationship. Then it became a very uh, personal relationship. But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I can say he's my best friend in Canada. Aww. And one of the best friends ever. Mm-hmm. And I have many friends, friends like, mm-hmm. who have been my friends for 50 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, oh, that's wonderful. The strange thing is, uh, I have almost read every poem to him, except this one. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't even know the existence of this poem. <laughs> okay, I, I think he's listening to it. He's, he's in the next door. <laughs> Great. He, he's probably tuned in. Okay. Great. Well, hello, hello, Billy, and I hope you enjoy Bishwish's poem like we're all about to. It's pinned to the top, so anybody that wants to read along can. Okay. So it's called The Fourth Dimension. I had a tryst with illusion. Dry sticks brushed. Sparked a fire. Dry leaves for fuel. A riff. And the rhythm caught on. The muse, the muser, the stream. A tricking brook. Uncertain, I stood by the bank twiddling thumbs in the game of three dimensions. And someone came, wondering, just wondering, without a shovel, feeding water to the thirsty when the sun turned blaring, neither being obvious, nor passive, nor intrusive. 
nor obtrusive, just interesting. A catalyst in the unwritten theory of relativity, inconceivable to the dreamer, except the wondering, and the confidence of a shadow that sun only shows. Nevertheless, the knowledge of the presence was all that mattered, not visible in the result, but ingrained therein implicitly is the fourth dimension. I will need to make an exception and not read this poem to him until when it is shown open to all. For my friend Billy Melville, who has been the unfailing audience for my poems. Oh, I love that Vishwajit. And what a dramatic reveal, not putting it up until the space started, I think added to it. I'm sure Billy enjoyed that. And it is... You know, such a great point to be extremely thankful for friends and, of course, friends within poetry. Uh, thank you. <laughs> All right. So thanks for that again, Bishwajit. Next, we're going to go to uh, Jaren Ho, who hasn't sent in a poem, but has uh, requested a speaker's invite. So I'm guessing that he has a poem he'd like to share with us today. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Good afternoon. It's a pleasure to be here. I don't think I've ever been to this space before, but... It's it's beautiful. Usually I'm at work by this time, so <laughs> that's why I can't make it in. But I do have something up there. Well, great. Well, thanks for joining us today. It's great to see you, and we're excited to hear your poem. If you want to add your poem as a comment to the space in the bottom right, um, then I can pin it from there if that's the easiest way if you'd like to do that. We don't have to read along, but, you know, for those of us here live, um, I know I always like to be able to see words if I can. Oh, absolutely. I got you. Usually my poetry's got more social undertones than gratitude is more, but this one is called Doc on the Bay. And it goes a little like this. As if the stars aligned, there's a new twinkle in my I found it. That which I knew was always part of me, to which all my inclinations have always guided me. I found it. A purpose to fill all the voids this poorest world can carve inside of me. Frustration transmuted with thunderous force into calm confidence as time continuously flows. I found it. A North Star that doesn't feel so far as I fearfully learned towards a fly. Not concerned with the endless noise of the thieves of joy, comparison, and envy. I found it. The reason why I exist is the need of me to resist those who want to take our power away. Attempting to reel us in, to catch us in sin. When it's them leading all of us astray. So yeah, I did find it. With my purpose crystal clear. A new mind, now I can steer towards helping all our ties sway. Until it's time for me to someday hang up my gloves and go sit at the end of the dock on the bay. Thanks so much for sharing that. And how does it tie in, you know, with thankfulness to you? And how do you feel about, you know, when you write a poem like that versus, you know, the other types of poetry you more more usually write, like you were saying? Well, for me, this is a reflection of, you know, being grateful for the hardships, being grateful for the challenges, being grateful for all the pain that you might have to go through in order to get the lesson that you needed, that in the moment you don't realize it because you're feeling whatever you're feeling in the moment but it's looking back and, and reflecting and realizing had I not gone through that I would not be here and there's a beautiful gratitude that comes from that 
Yeah, that's extremely well said. And, you know, poetry is such an excellent, you know, quite possibly the best way to explore that and to, to look at things, you know, like you're saying in the moment, you know, it can be really tough, but if you zoom out and look at how, you know, the hard things benefit us oftentimes so much more than the supposedly good things, which is enough to make me want to be a stoic, really, <laughs> but, but it is, it is always there. Well, thanks so much for sharing that. And then we have Nadia, who we've never spoken to before, I believe, that is a speaker. How are you doing today, Nadia? I'm great. I'm enjoying this, uh, the poetry space, the open mic on thankfulness. And um, I, I would like to share a poem called Gratitude. That sounds perfect, Nadia. Thank you. Go ahead. Okay, yeah, I pasted well, it in the comments, too, if anybody wants to read along, by the way. Excuse me, could I, you want me to put it in the comments? Oh, no, I, I already did. It's in the comments if you, if, uh, if you want to pin it to the top, Katie. Oh, I see. Yeah, uh, yeah. let's hear it, Nadia. Okay, well, uh, this poem was published in Atticus Review. And, okay, Gratitude, Cairo, 1973. I shiver when I first see the bathers in an art book rush downtown to avoid wartime curfews at dusk. The ancient train creaks up my spine, rattles the station as I lug my oversized book past Soliman Pasha Street, past statues of long gone leaders, swing a right at Ben Zion home goods store, walk into a maze of streets, emerge breathless at the antique shop, ask, how much to order a replica. The price will wreak havoc upon my student budget. And like a homing pigeon, I hurry back to grandfather to charm alone, to suffer his housekeeper's miserly grub for a term, her tasteless offerings versus relative treats at Chusef's Deli to atone for my fiscal indiscretion. Two months later, I own a blue and green canvas with nude people reclining by a lake. What did I know of art in my teens? Though looking at the painting, I learned everything about color, its shameless ease, the different worlds it inhabits, blurred faces staunching the breeze, slender branches, legs, thighs, a quiet world without wars or bombs blazing in the desert sun glanced from grandfather's balcony. The war fizzles to an end. Former combatants haggle over border design. Bodies are packed from the Sinai. Victory declared by both sides to great pomp and parades as I savor my share of Cezanne's vision gilded frame above my bed, lonely nights upon my face, my quiet refrain of thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for sharing that, Nadia. And I've known you for such a long time on Facebook, but I don't think I've ever heard your voice before. So it's really fun to get to hear you out in the poetry space. Thank you. Uh, um, how often do you end up writing poems um, that have a gratitude angle versus a sort of a poetry of complaint, which is I'd say more common just looking at submissions to a magazine for one thing. I would say it's about like a 40, 60, 40 gratitude, happy poems, uh, 
versus, you know, six. Yeah, I attended many wars somehow. I grew up between Egypt and the States and somehow never missed a war in, in the Middle East. And so I wrote uh, numerous stories about the war and stuff like that. And uh, also about unhappy things that happened to me in my life. But I also show gratitude in many ways and uh, in my poems, certainly. Yeah, well, I think that's a great percentage. 40% is probably much higher than uh, most yes. people. At least in the, in the submissions, it's probably 5%, actually. Yeah, I mean, I don't like gripe poems, you know, all day, every day, gripe, gripe. I mean, there has to be mm -hmm. some grace in one's life, even in the midst of turmoil and trouble and so forth. So I think that poetry, in that sense, adds so much beauty and so many reasons for us to be grateful, you know. Yeah, really well said. I completely agree. Thanks for sharing that, Nadia. Thank you. Um, next up, let's go to uh, Brad Aaron Modlin, who I don't know. It'd be great to hear from you, Brad. Hi. Oh, yeah. Thank you all for having this. This is really fun to hear hear all these things and get in and get in good November mood. Uh, something that we we need, I think. Um, okay. Should I, should I go ahead and read then? Um, I've got. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us uh, what you have that you'd like to share. To yeah. Go ahead and read. Um, I can put it um in the chat if that's useful don't worry brad i already pinned it for you because you very politely dm'd me at home so <laughs> you're getting vip treatment i put it in there for you so thanks for joining okay. us yeah and so for anybody that wants to read along this is a bit of a longer poem so it's an even better one i think to to read along with if you guys would like at the top i guess if i would say something about it i'd say it's um it's a brevity piece it's in brevity so uh i call it a prose poem but also a uh you know a flash nonfiction. um and in terms of gratitude i guess it's important to know that it's that it's true and these are things uh true things to be grateful for uh, it's called hungry because this world is so very full across from the mountains across from the fishing boat paused in the waves waves like aluminum foil across from the snow caps too high to melt and across from the peaks singing climb us climb us grab a grappling hook across from the boat and the sushi it harvests salmon rolls and dynamite rolls and dragons across from the sun the only person who can be in one place and everywhere simultaneously across from the nearby crags and across from the ocean and across from China and across from Russia and atop these vertical rocks on Canada's west coast on this beach that has no sand pops a purple crocus alone stretching from hard stone and you know what crocuses celebrate and could this be that moment and yes the world has refreshed again and it is the seasonal new year and it was just the lunar new year and before that the solar and before that that, that the liturgical and before that the jewish and the islamic and the theravada buddhist and look at us we keep getting to start over getting new weather and new stringed instruments and hearing yes we admit new batches of crows whom we should forgive for being symbolically ominous, which is our fault anyway, but also new seagulls who remind us we are on the beach, on the edge of the unknown, and in the grass behind me naps a bearded young man in brown and tan blankets like he wants to be mistaken for a Jedi or Jesus, which is why I followed him here like a sign. Though I wanted sugar from a cafe, want fish and chips from the pier, want to give up pescatarianism and taste beef jerky the first time in years, and I like my phone because I am flirting with someone witty and new miles down the coast, and I want to board a steamship to him and say, take me to the art museum with the meditation tours and the Korean calligraphy, 
And I haven't even mentioned bread yet or hummus or the endorphins jogging brings or the way strangers tell you shortcuts if you ask, even if you mispronounce a building. And I want to go to that village near the forest, want to stay here and swim even if the water would freeze my blood, want to wake the sleeping Jesus, want to ask him questions and offer him a hard-boiled egg from my satchel, want to find the peacocks in that park to both wear my golden sweater and shed it. And I want to stop saying wanting too many things at once is a good problem to have because it is not a problem. It's just having eyes and it's not my fault. I didn't make the world as wonderful as it sometimes appears. And I don't want to think about later, but instead stay on this vertical rock all afternoon, all week, sketching with this pen a stranger lent, then gave me beside this crow playing his feathered game of grabbing a nut, flying it straight up, then dropping it, retrieving it, dropping it again and again until it cracks open and feeds him. What a great reading. Wow, that was super interesting and a great use of the prose format to, to go ahead and express thankfulness. So do you find that thankfulness is enhanced through your own writing and that it's kind of a circular practice as well? Oh, yeah. You know, you when you write something down, you're, you're holding on to it or you're sort of putting a pen in it to remember, um, you know, a lot of this, this particular piece did start, you know, there in that moment. And then I was like, oh, I've got to write this down. I've got to write this down. And, you know, I might have lost it had I not written it down, but then writing it down and then writing and rewriting and revising the pieces, all these opportunities to return, return to those, those details. Yeah, that's a really excellent point. I mean, it's not just, you know, one point of thankfulness, right? It's noticing what then goes into the poem. When you write it, you're feeling thankfulness. And then as you edit, unless the editing process is very scary, you're <laughs> you're enjoying it and you're thankful for it then and then you get to experience you know the life that you've created in this piece every time you read it and, and then you magnify it by sharing it with us right mm -hmm. now yeah. well that's great thanks again Thank brad you. for joining us and sharing that uh i think now i'm going to put my co-host on the spot because you guys know i love nothing more than listening to tim read poetry uh particularly his own even so i was going to ask Tim, would you be up for sharing one of your poems? And specifically, would you be up for sharing the Never Have I Ever one? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I was looking through what um, what I'm, you know, my most thankful type poems are. And I was also thinking um, when we had our early Thanksgiving dinner a couple weeks ago, what I'm thankful for the most. It came to me that this poem maybe is the, um, the, the answer for this year. So this was a, a prompt that was... Um, um, write about something you've never done and um, so, or never will do, I guess it was. And I just kind of ran with it without thinking in this sort of train format that I do sometimes. So this is called Never Will I Ever. I'll never pace the aisle of a grocery store at 1 a.m. wondering about the right ice cream, never live in a tiny house across the lawn from another tiny house gazing out from a tiny window as the porch light shuts off. Never drive a motorcycle, never cling to a cliff-free solo, never jump out of a perfectly good airplane, no parachute packed by hand, never wander through the land, never drive for hours in silence, never talk the smallest talk, never forget I shouldn't sing, never be unafraid of anything, never lie in a hammock waiting for the meteor, never wonder if there might be more, there's more. So it's a little love poem for you, Katie. No, I love it so much. I'm like, I shouldn't have asked you to read it because now I'm like not able to fulfill my hosting duties. <laughs> but I gotta get it together, huh? 
<laughs> yes, I got to get it together. You're a professional. All right. I'm a pro, guys. I'm a pro. No, it's a really an amazing, amazing poem. And I um, I think it embodies thankfulness and everything extremely well. And oh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I put it. Well, do you want to share one? Can you put you on the spot right back? I suppose so, but I have to say, like, uh, the one that I was thinking about is, uh, if it's a love poem, it's a love poem to my grandmother, so I'm sorry to to change gears a little bit. That's fine, I'll accept it. You'll accept it, all right. So, I'm the worst, obviously, at pinning my own poems to the space, as anybody who's been to the poetry space before knows, so give me a second to find it and then I will go ahead and read it because I do think this is a better one to be able to read along to and um, apparently I forgot to pin it so I'm looking for it Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and read it actually (laughs) after having said that so this one to me um, so I had an interesting relationship with my grandmother and this is a poem that goes into it it was originally written um, as one of the rattle prompt poems um, and the prompt I think was like write a poem in which something is cooked. Um, And so that was in reference to that. And of course, you know, with Thanksgiving, we're always thinking about cooking too, because you guys know I love to cook. So this is just simply called Nana. I remember the flurry of her hands as she told me not to stare at their spotted surface, the way her knuckles were knobs, callous through the years of pushing back against the thimbles. On the stove, apples ripe with cinnamon, Peels strung out along the counter as though they were a scented ribbon. Not that weird package kind, she nodded at the stove. Her tea kettle voice, how it hung on the word weird, showing me anything like that must be feared, while the cleaver she cubed Granny Smith Swift cut the sunlight. Meanwhile, the truth simmered with cloves, watched and waiting to reach a boil. She'd never let us take her picture. Instead of a flash, the crash of pots and pans into the sink, I soaked up her applesauce with a biscuit while she scrubbed. Bubbles floated up. I asked her to sit, but she said she couldn't risk it. So for me, with my grandmother in part, she was one of those people that she was like, you know, she wouldn't use her nice china because she wanted to save it for a different day or something, you know, like that. And I'm thankful that in part in seeing some of the choices that she made, you know, I, I both took, you know, things from her in a positive direction and then also kind of changed my life a little bit based on some of the decisions, you know, that she made that if, if I hadn't seen her make it, maybe I wouldn't have done it. So I'm thankful for her on uh, multiple different levels. Yeah, it's a beautiful co- poem, Katie. And we talk a lot about um, the difference between public and private poems. It's a great example of a private poem that's a public poem, too. You know, like how wonderful would it be to be able to give that to your grandma if she were still around, you know? Yeah, that's true. Although she'd probably be annoyed that I called out how she said weird, weird. <laughs> so there's that. She probably wouldn't be too happy about that. But she would be, she did make the world's best applesauce. She's an amazing cook. So that is definitely, she would appreciate that acknowledgement because it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not surprised by that. That fact. <laughs> <laughs> right, what did you want to say, Joe? You had your hand up. Sure, Go just ahead. two quick things. One is, as you know, I have to leave early, but I love your poetry and watching your evolution as a poet has been great, Katie. And, and I must admit, I was going to send you a message afterwards, but I will say it publicly. I'm thankful for your friendship and very grateful for you. 
Oh, Joe, I'm super thankful for you. And you always inspire me. And also too, if I ever have like some crazy idea, like, should I write a poem about this? Or should I embark on some project they don't have time for? I think of you and I know you'd be like, do it. We know you're crazy. You can absolutely. Do it. So I'm very thankful for you too. Joe. Thank you. Uh, and I'll talk to y'all later. Thanks so much. Great. Thanks for coming today. Definitely. Um, let's see. In terms of speakers, let's see. It looks like Paul Mitchell Bernstein has added the speaker request. And so how are you doing today, Paul? Hey guys, I'm doing all right. Thank you for, uh, speaking of thankfulness, thank you for doing this and thank you for facilitating such a great uh, poetry community. Um, so I, I wasn't going to share, but I was inspired by a couple of poems. Um, I was inspired by something somebody said about how the little thing, you know, how we can find gratitude in such, such small things. And, and it reminded me of this poem that I wrote a long time ago. It was a poem at some point in my life, I lost about four or 500 poems. And this was one of them that I lost. And I was able to rewrite it as one of them, to, at least to some degree, as I remember. But um, I didn't really know that it was about gratitude at the time. But um, the crux of it is I was in a really sort of bad place and uh, just feeling really bitter and angry and disgusted by everything. And, um, and I saw a flower, somebody gave me a flower and, uh, and it sort of changed my whole perspective on everything in that moment. And uh, so, yeah, so this is a, a rewritten version of a very old poem. Uh, it's called Dying in Key West. So much has remained the same. Some faces, though, have changed. The neon throws an ugly, foul, and filthy glow onto the streets. Sidewalks witness to a thousand dripping smiles, dripping under the hats of dogs and heat, mm, that tender meat. Streets stained with desire and deceit, a plastic paradise of faded colors. For some, it screams, but for me, it is dead. A belladonna hanging heavy on its own weakness, ready to fall. The storefront sicken sicken me with their two-for-one t-shirt sales and overpriced pizza dangling over the heads of these dazed and amazed rats. I'm sitting on the ground outside Shorty's across from Run Runner's live reggae pulse, masturbating onto a piece of paper, pardon me. Watching as the people move past, hungry and fast, mistaking me for something holy. My attention turns when a tourist crashes their bicycle into a newspaper box. And as I turn to look, I see someone placed beside me on the sidewalk, a single rose in a glass Coke bottle, a flower left not by a rat, but by a lover, by a lover I've never met a lover I'll never need to meet, to know if it's a man or a woman, because what this love gave to me was a moment of truth in a world of fantasy, a ray of light in an ocean of darkness, a speck of gratitude in a sea of hopelessness. It almost makes me want to cry, to cry for an unknown love, the way you cried for me on the bricks under the tightrope over Mallory Square. I found no truth in Key West, only desire, no love in my heart, 
just spaces to be filled. I found a flower in Key West, a lover I'll never know. I found you and I lost you and I love you. Dying in Key West. Gosh, Paul, that was super powerful. To me, if I just heard that, I might think, you know, it was it was a poem written by a beat. You know, it had such beatnik vibes to it in so many ways. So I, I think that's my favorite poem I've ever heard of you. And I've, I've gotten to hear a few now by now, Paul. <laughs> so no, that was it. It was very powerful. But thank you very much for letting me read it. Well, thanks for feeling inspired and deciding to uh, to jump up here, even though you hadn't originally intended on it. So, Tim, do you want to one thing we wanted to cover a little bit in this space is um, something that we think is super linked with feeling thankful and poetry, which is to explore haiku a little bit and how uh, that form can lend itself to thankfulness, especially. Yeah, I think about this a lot every time I encounter the, the haiku community, because there's such a sort of a sense of joy that just sort of abounds. And I think it is because, you know, haiku is so much about noticing the little things in life, you know, the little moments, the little pieces of nature, the little, you know, gestures, the little sights that you see, all those things that come to you that were really, you know, if without that, um, I think um, it was Brad who said something about how, you know, putting a pin in the moment, but that's what a haiku is. It's a pin put in these little moments. And so often there are these like beautiful little moments that you wouldn't notice or you wouldn't remember after the fact, you know, you'd notice at the moment, maybe then it just go away, you know, like dust and, and wouldn't stay. And so it's a way to capture those little things. And, uh, you know, I've talked to a lot of people like, um, like Paul Nelson, um, who writes an American sentence every day. And he's been doing that for like 20 years. And uh, I talked to him about, um, about how that changes you. You know, like it actually does. If you're if you set out every day looking for something to uh, to write about or something to notice, it just gives you so much more of an appreciation of life. And that's the kind of spiritual practice that that makes the spirit uplifted. Well, that's also an excellent segue because I wanted to ask you specifically. So you've been you've been on a haiku tear lately. I think it's fair to say with the number that you've posted and then been minting as NFTs, too. So like. Have you have you noticed during that time? I think it's about a month and a half or so you've been doing it that you have you know felt more like you're in tune with these moments and noticing them and maybe experiencing more thankfulness as a result. Well, I think uh, you do. You just develop a habit of paying attention by like looking for something to write a haiku about every day, and and then paying attention is really the heart of you know being present in the moment, which is the heart of you know, a lot of spiritual practice. So I think it really does work. I think it's a really good thing to do. I encourage everybody. It's something that I've wanted to do for years. And I just finally said, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll try to do this now. So I've been doing it for like two months, I think. Yeah. Well, we're lucky that you have because your haiku are amazing. So oh, <laughs> it's always fun too to like not have seen your haiku and then get a surprise haiku on Twitter from Tim is always fun. Um, one thing I was thinking about is why is it that I feel that haiku is such, you know, like kind of like at, at the apex of feeling these things. And I think it's because with haiku, what you're trying to do is take two things and draw a fresh, new, very strong connection between them. And so it's not even just focusing on one thing. It's like the next level thinking, so to speak, because you have these two things and you're looking for the thing on top of them, the bridge over them. And that's what makes the haiku so strong. So it is kind of like leveling up your own thankfulness in a way. Yeah, it really is. I think all poetry does that. You know, it's kind of like calculus instead of arithmetic, you know, busting out into more dimensions. But um, 
but but haiku does it in such a such a tight constrained way that you can't help but notice that aspect of it too and so i think that's true it's not just that you see some beautiful sight or something in your morning as you're drinking your coffee or whatever it is but it's that you you understand the deeper meaning and the deeper importance of that too so at the same time that's what a haiku draws out yeah, that's a great point. I'm guessing that Bishwajit has his hand up because he is also a haiku poet posting great haiku on Twitter, too, and probably has a thought as to that. Because I think I don't know, Bishwajit, if you were writing them before and then just not sharing them or if you also have been following kind of in Tim's path of, of sharing haiku a lot lately. Oh, thank you. Uh, I raised the hand because I missed to say something. I didn't know I, before I started saying anything. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you, and especially a thank you, Tim, for saying those kind words about my haiku, which I, I uh, watched later uh, under last Rattlecast. It means a lot to me. I'm just a novice in, in this art, uh, but uh, um, I've, been try I've been writing it um, um, every day, like Katie asked the question, yes, I have the pictures, but I write it either previous night or the same morning when I post it. So uh, the, the, the oldest one I could say may have been one day old. Um, other than that, I also try to write it at the same point, but I have the pictures and I pull one out and then start thinking which one I'm going to post and then I write it. So let's see how far I can go. I bet but you can I go wanted to very far. Say thank you. Thank you to you yeah. and thank you to Tim. I really, they really are wonderful, uh, wonderful haiku, Bishwood. I think if I'm surprised that you're new to it, given how, how good they are. And, uh, and maybe the, the poetry space on haiku really helped. Maybe we talked a lot about it, uh, how to get them to work. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. And once again, happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Appreciate this. Oh, thank you to you too, Vishwajit. Um, yeah, I think that those are, that's really interesting about how you've just gotten into it and are already so good. And we would say too, for those uh, in the audience that aren't like hardcore rattle regs, like a lot of us are, um, if you know, you're familiar with haiku, if thinking about it as just like a syllable count, um, that's not how we view it. And there's a lot to it. And as an example, uh, Roberta Berry, who's one of, you know, the most well-known haiku English haiku poets out there right now sent um, this haiku that's pinned to the top in for when I was tweeting about the space to ask for you know poems about thankfulness which is just blended family a Thanksgiving dish of name tags and that's that's an excellent haiku I think and really captures you know some of the potential of the form yeah definitely does great Thanksgiving haiku um, do you want to hear some more, Candy, from, because uh, I thought it'd be interesting, because you were present for a lot of these moments, too. <laughs> so there are some haiku about moments you were there that we get to remember. Oh, I, I would love that on many levels. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so this was, uh, remember we were driving around, and all of a sudden there were so many deer in the yard of someone's house. And, uh, you know, so we were just sort of parked and watched these, like, 25, 30 deer just sort of sit around like some kind of uh, renaissance painting draped over the lawn you know what it felt like it felt like in jurassic park when they're on the tour of the, you know, like in the car and then suddenly they're all around and it's like oh my god i mean they're very sweet and peaceful but it was a lot of deer guys a lot of deer 
it was and it was just such a nice moment too with the girls there and everything so the little haiku is a mono stitch haiku or whatever but it's uh too many deer to count our blessings oh i love that so much <laughs> yeah that one's really great and then uh i don't know if you remember walking the dog here in in uh, in uh, rightwood there was that neighbor's house who like they have all the stuff in the yard it's this crazy yard and they tried to plant some flowers in these little boxes to keep the um, these sort of screens to keep the um, the the squirrels from eating them, I guess. But but the flowers had like sort of spilled out of their little containers and were growing all over the place around them. Do you remember that? Very much so. I never forget a flower, <laughs> Timothy Green. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And so um, so that became this uh, concrete one, which is a little hard to read. I guess I'll read it like this. Despite their careful plans, wildflowers, you know, capturing the whole uh, the whole way those grow, even where you don't intend them to. Yeah, I love that. Oh, I hope <laughs> keep them coming, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, the the in the backyard at the house here, there's that um, that the neighbor has a wheelbarrow that's been been sitting there the whole time, um, all summer since we moved in, and. Uh, that was uh, that turned into this all summer. The overturned wheelbarrow, daydreaming, looking up at the clouds. You know, mm, that's so good too. Wow, these are so amazing. See how lucky we are, everybody, that he decided to start <laughs> sharing these. <laughs> and then uh, I don't know. You'll know where this one comes from. Sleeping in, we forget which arms are ours. I do know where that one comes from. <laughs> I can confirm. <laughs> um, well, anyway, is there anybody else who wants to share poems, or do you want to share any other ones, Kate? I I think one that you know, with all this, I'd like to share um, just two haiku. Um, one of which is like forthcoming, actually, in modern haiku, and it's you know my love haiku to Tim too. So I should share. I think I can share one at this point, but it's just um, before you. The wildflowers, just wildflowers, um, which is definitely. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and then, that's a really good one too. And then, and then this one that had me thinking about what we were talking about earlier in terms of thankfulness and how it can come, you know, out of out of bad things, of course, that have happened in your life, but how that shaped you into becoming uh, the person you are. And so that's um, my haiku. That's just gold light on the river kintsugi which kintsugi if you're not familiar with is that practice uh, in japanese pottery where they take something that's broken and they you know glue it together with gold you know with gold inlaid so that basically it highlights where it was broken um and makes it a more beautiful thing which i think is you know a metaphor for so much that it was right to write a haiku about yeah, and that, that's a great example of, you know, seeing that moment, that moment of beauty, which I imagine, I think, is from a plane, sort of seeing the sunset over uh, a river from the plane in the golden light there. That's how I imagine it anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was flying but, from California to back to Texas. And yeah, and there was light. It was like the golden hour and there was light on a river that hit. And I was like, wow, that looks exactly like Kintsugi pottery, you know, and it just came yeah, to me in exactly. a flash. And so, so sticking a pin on that beautiful... A beautiful image and be able to remember it now you might have forgotten it or otherwise or not recalled it again anyway and then tying it to something else and then every time you see the kintsugi in a pot you'll see that that scene from the plane and the 
looked at the river too. And so it sort of just weaves the entire world together through this act of noticing that the haiku represents and became. Yeah, it definitely does. And the power of that is so immense. You know, it is, it's like, you know, Paul, how you were talking about this person giving you a flower at this incredibly low point of your life and how much that meant to you. I mean, we can be doing things like that every day for people, not necessarily in the form of floral gifts, but, you know, in terms of making people's day better and creating that space for, for an opportunity for someone to be thankful because an opportunity to feel thankfulness is an opportunity to then give that feeling to someone else, which is, of course, how we, you know, save the world, basically. Yeah, and, you know, I was thinking about how, you know, both your daughter, Lizzie, and my son, Colin, are obsessed with saying, uh, have a great day to everybody as they, <laughs> they walk out of the door or whatever, you know. And um, it's the same kind of thing. It's a, writing a poem to notice these moments um, of gratitude or sort of a little gift that you give. You know, I asked Colin once why he does that. And he said, why not? It might make someone happy, you know? And so noticing those um, noticing those things and putting them out in the world is a way to just increase the, the joy and gratitude in the world, too. Yeah, it's so true. And I mean, it's, you know, coming from a genuine place all the time, of course, you know, with, with Colin and with Lizzie to, to do that. And that's how we can approach our own lives and our own choices that we make all the time. And, you know, our own poetry too can contribute to that, especially when you take the time to share it with others, like so many of you did today, which made for um, an hour where I'm leaving feeling uplifted and like, I want to do some random acts of kindness also later. Yeah, it has been a great hour. Do you want to finish out? Do you have a closing poem you want to do, perhaps? I didn't know if, if mine counted on that. I think actually what I would like to do is I'd like to end with um, a poem that counts more on the side of thankfulness that is being, you know, grateful for things that haven't happened to us in a way and to take into account, um, you know, the things that are serious that go on in people's lives that, um, you know, allow us to experience empathy and then also be thankful for our own lives um, instead of overly wrapped up in them. So I'd like to, with that in mind, read the George Bill Jerry poem that I pinned or I haven't pinned yet, but that I tweeted a little bit ago and I'll go ahead and pin it to the space to look at here, which maybe is not the direction most people would end this, <laughs> this one on. Cause it, you know, it's, it's serious, but I honestly, you know, I believe thankfulness is a serious thing. I believe it really is. It has the power to change the world. It's not overly dramatic or hyperbolic to say that. So I'll go ahead and read this one by one of my favorite poets, George Bulgeri. The Garage. On these summer nights, I play ping pong with my brother-in-law, a couple of beers sweating on the tool shelf, the Giants game coming in loud and clear on the paint-splattered shop radio, and tonight, I'm working very seriously on my troublesome forehand, giving more concentration than usual to the problem of topspin. Today, a woman on our street, running late for work, backed up her SUV and rolled over her three-year-old son. All day, I thought of her as she goes through the hours, living in that remote, astonishing place she has discovered, somewhere wholly new where few of us have ever ventured. And as I trot down the driveway to retrieve an errant smash, I realize that the sheer speed and pressure of her passage out of the world I'm living in tonight and into the blazing spaces where she is traveling far beyond me, like the blue fleck 
of a satellite utterly alone is what makes the lighted mouth of the garage with its beer and ball game, its smell of oil and gas, its cardboard boxes of family history seem like a sweet refuge, a case I return to gratefully, holding the white moon of the ball, a fragile, weightless thing. So I love that poem, um, heartbreaking as it is in so many ways, uh, because it does remind me, you know, to be so thankful of everything. And of course, the, the biggest thing we're all so thankful for is that we're alive. We're here right now. This is our life. And uh, we want to live it in, in the biggest, best way we possibly can. Yeah, beautiful poem by George. We're looking forward to his uh, chapbook that we're going to be doing in the spring. It's going to be a lot of fun, but beautiful poem. And really, that's what it's all about, too, is, is um, appreciating the fact that we're alive. Because you only get to be alive once. And we're doing it now. We are doing it. And thank you to everybody who chose to be alive with us today and join us in the poetry space. I really loved hearing everyone's beautiful poems today. It was amazing. I'm glad we got to make some new friends in here and hear from old friends too. And I hope that everybody has an amazing Thanksgiving. We're not going to be having a show on Thanksgiving. Um, so I hope that everyone has a particularly great day then. Yeah, definitely. What are we going to be doing after Thanksgiving now? We're going to be switching gears a little bit. So something I've been tweeting about is, and thinking a lot about lately, is the need for more criticism, actually, in poetry. How warranted is that claim? Uh, how much could adding more literary criticism, you know, a la how novels and everything have that sort of whole branch of criticism, how much could that do for poetry? Is it right? Is it wrong? Uh, a little bit of a more controversial one from two for two weeks from today. Yeah, well, I definitely have a lot of thoughts on that, having tried so hard over the years to find different ways to have reviews that are actually reviews. Um, and, mm -hmm. and it's very difficult to do. Mm -hmm. So uh, I have actually, it's a, it's a nut I haven't cracked yet. So maybe we can try to work on it in two well, weeks from today. It's the season where you can buy whole nuts at the grocery store. So it's a good time for us to attempt that, perhaps. <laughs> well, looking forward to that in uh, two weeks, Katie. Thanks. Oh, thanks. And thanks so much again to everybody who joined us for the first time or again. And of course, to Tim, who I have to say really spoiled me with amazing poems today. So thank you for doing that. Oh, well, it's, you know what you're thanked for. So that's, that was a theme. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody have a great Thanksgiving and we'll see you in two weeks. Take care. Bye. All right. Bye.